It's time for Loud Pipes, the podcast centered around motorcycles, the motorcycle experience, and other automotive diversions. Recording from RDub Studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, or wherever sufficient bandwidth can be located, here's Rich Warfield and Rico Hogan. Loud Pipes episode 20. A little bit of a milestone episode here. We do this every other week, so it is only 20 episodes, but this means for 40 weeks, Mr. Hogan, almost a year, we've been getting together and putting down Loud Pipes. How you doing? I'm doing good, my friend. And yeah, you're right. It, this is a milestone, and this milestone is going to be coupled with another milestone this evening, and we're going to talk more about the modus motorcycle this evening yeah that's right so our schedule got a little mixed up here we kind of had some things planned and some other things came up so we kind of had to shift things around but as we talked earlier rico was down to modus in birmingham and got to do a little factory tour and and then it's he got to sit down with with lee con the president and, and do a little casual conversation right casual interview we'll call it Oh, yeah. He was a great time. Cool guy, I tell you. Lee is awesome. And he took the time to kind of walk me through the factory, looked at the the bike, looked at all the parts involved, looked at the setup. So we'll talk about more about that in the show. And we also got some audio to go along with that. So it's going to be a great show, so don't move a muscle. <laughs> yeah, grab your beverage and your popcorn. It's going to be good. Yeah, and the- you know, before anyone wonders if we if we kick John to the curb, you know, nothing nothing like that's happened. We just schedules didn't mash up and Rico and I were able to get together and, and John has other commitments tonight, so just be the two of us. We'll do it old school tonight for twenty. Old school. Kick it old school. All right. So I've got one one quick little bit of feedback and I was gonna respond to the person in email, but I thought I would just bring it up. So Okay. We had a listener write in, a listener by the name of Mike, his last name uh, not written on the email, so I don't have a last name, but um, Mike writes in and he was asking, he says he was out on the Patreon website, just contributing to like his favorite podcast and stuff, and he was surprised that we weren't there. What? Yeah, so I hadn't really thought about it. So he's like, yeah, he's like, you guys going to be setting up a Patreon account so, you know, people can, you know, can donate and give back to the show in, in a monetary way, so... So yeah, Mike, if you're listening, I hadn't really thought about it, but it's something that we are thinking about, especially as we we sort of move forward and and make this you know more of a hobby, or I should say, uh, more of a, a business activity and less of a hobby. We're certainly right looking for things like that. So, but yeah, just wanted to let them know we're considering it. Yeah, as we get more into this, the more we enjoy it, the more we're trying to improve and make this show a lot better. Uh, so we'll be looking and doing a lot more activities in the weeks and months to come. So stay tuned. Absolutely. All right. So without uh, without much delay, let's get into your your modus conversation. And I think we should start this with, uh, I guess you would say the factory tour, right? So you guys walked around. You got a nice tour of the factory and a look at parts and things like that. So uh, tell us a little bit about that, the first part of your visit there. What I would like to do is play the, the actual the dyno piece so let's let's plug that in right quick so they can get a feel for the sound of the bike 
a heck of a way to start a tour, huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we walked in as they were dynoing a bike. And this, that bike was the uh, MST version, not, not the MSTR. So it still sounds like mm. a beast, and, and it was. So that sound is a clean-shaped design of the first all-American V4 baby block sport touring bad boy motorcycle based Amen. in Birmingham. Yeah. Oh, what a beast. <laughs> what a beast. Just like it sounds in person, if you get an opportunity, please, please stop at a dealership that has these bikes um, on their showroom floor, or if you're in Birmingham, swing down to Birmingham, check out the the uh, the factory, and um, get a get a tour, get to see the bike up close in person. Um, what a treat this bike is, I tell you. And if I had the, the the stash put away for something like this, I would definitely have one of these as part of my uh, stable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. We 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 talked about that before the show tonight, and. You know, as we, we kind of oscillate back and forth with, ah, you know, I'd like to have a street glide, but I kind of want something sporty, but I still want to be able to do a lot of miles. Mm-hmm. We just keep coming back to the MST, and it's like, yeah, gosh darn it, that's the bike. That's yeah. the one. <laughs> yeah. And, and, yeah. So as you hear um, in, in the interview with me and Lee, you'll, you'll find that uh, Lee has, you know, ridden sport bikes uh, for a good portion of his life and he, his life and also has ridden a lot of Harleys. So he is uh, well breast in uh, the different riding styles. So he mm-hmm. wanted to come up with a, you know, a, a, an all new bike that kind of had the best of both worlds. So um, as you will hear in the, in the interview, um, they came up with this bike and um, it is amazing. They've put, they've melded both worlds together, if you can believe it or not. And, and on top of that, made an awesome motor to go along with this bike. So um, we'll cut right to the interview and we'll kind of add some commentary around some of the pieces as we go through it. Um, these are some of our early prototypes. This is, this is the first one to build. These ones were built um, um, with our partners, Brett and Miller. Uh-huh. And the whole concept is just highly inspired by Z06. Z06. Right. <laughs> CTSV. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what we like. So. Mm-hmm. Um, same guy, same thinking, you know. Right. Um, it's a very much Corvette racing. Right, right. Um, ties. That's awesome. Yeah. And it just sounds amazing. It's got a nice little sound. Love it. Love it. That's cool. But the point was, you know, to build some sort of, you know, uh, proof of concept. Right. You know, take them around, show them to people, and mm-hmm. see, see if they were any good. And uh-huh. once we said, yeah, they're pretty good, then we um, started pushing a little bit harder. Uh-huh. So how long was this one, your prototype? Um, we released that in 2011, and we wrote it 2011, 2012, really, and uh-huh. retired it. I think retired it sometime at the end of 2012. Okay. Wrote it all over the country and destroyed it, basically. Yeah. Uh, this one had, like, 40 different sensors on it, so a lot of uh, data oh, acquisition. Uh-huh. Um, we learned a lot off of this. Okay. Um, this one had a bunch of that, too, but um, not not quite as many. Um, you can't. This is just a prototype set of bars, but they're basically production bars are just like this, where they so they adjust for reach, mm-hmm. and they adjust for height, and they adjust for wrist angle, and then the whole bar will you know the whole controls will adjust here. So this this setup comes on the bike's stock, mm-hmm. um, which is a beautiful set of bars. I mean, yeah, it's like a couple of, couple of inches up, couple of inches back. You got two hundred more miles, you know. All right, just getting Easy. comfortable. So that that's, that's part of it. Being able to ride those long distance, just being comfortable. That's what it's for. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's cool. I mean, just to hear some of the 
you know, obviously the interview's just getting started, but right. You know, we we talked about this when we first stumbled upon it. Once that we saw that, or at least once I saw that Pratt and Miller was involved, that's what I immediately thought of. I was like, "Oh, baby, Corvette racing! This thing's going to be good." Oh yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Pratt and Miller did a fantastic job in development uh, of this bike. Uh, they did the suspension and the handling system uh, for the MST, and um, they have digitally constructed this bike and motors. Uh, has partnered up and and um, made a phenomenal bike um, with the help of Pratt and Miller. Yep, and I think that's right. Right, we're not, um, you know, we're not overselling it. There, they were they were clearly a design partner for the bike. Right, right. And I think w- the reason uh, these guys reached out to Pratt and Miller is because of you know they wanted to kind of build this bike around the Chevy small block, and um, you know. Being in racing in the engineering uh, realm, Pratt Miller was the best source um, to kind of um, reach out to 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 kind of build this bike. So since they had like everything in house, uh, they didn't have to go to different areas right. uh, to get certain pieces built. Or you know, it's a, like a one stop shop. And, uh, and 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 Lee will talk about that here in the interview. But um, yeah, it, it turned out to be just phenomenal. Yeah, for sure. So let's continue here with the conversation. And this now gets into, um, as Rico said, some of the the inspiration here, which is, you know, based around the Chevy small block, which they love. And Rico admits that he loves. You'll hear that here next. <laughs> <laughs> as I have a Ford in my driveway <laughs> in a Beamer. It makes a lot of sense for us to do something that's based on the platform we love, which is, you know, LS. Uh-huh. You know, Chevy small block. Right. It's the best engine platform that yeah. we know of. Yeah, for uh-huh. sure. It's banging. And, yeah. But, you know, why can't we massage that into something that's good for a motorcycle? Right. You know, because, you know, twins are cool. And I've had a lot of twins. I love mm-hmm. all that stuff. But mm-hmm. they just have limitations. Yeah. Um, and uh, the neat thing about a V4 is, you know, you get all the torque of a twin, um, but you get the smoothness of a multi-cylinder. Right. So you right. kind of get both. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at 125, 126, 127 foot-pounds, yeah. there's not much that can touch it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean... And then the growl, too. <laughs> and it's got that sound. Yeah. It happens to be comfortable, uh-huh. but it's a, it's a hot rod, you know? Yeah. It's a sport bike. Mm-hmm. Uh, wheelbase is 58 inches, and, you know, so that puts it you know, kind of into the, the bigger sport bike category, but it's not a, you know, it's not an FJR. Right. 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 It's, it's nothing like that. It's a, it's a sport bike. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you throw some luggage on it. Put an upright seating position, and yeah, and where you go, all of a sudden you can be comfortable. But when you get up to Asheville, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, you get up to Blowing Rock, and you yep. get up to Maggie Valley, mm-hmm. you can, it's all there. Yeah, it's all in there. Yeah, so that's that's what's fun about it. You yeah, because from here, you know, I want to get up there. I gotta, I gotta ride two or three hours on the interstate, mm-hmm. and be comfortable and have fun. Yeah. I get up to Chattanooga, I hit sixty four. You know, I can ride it all the way to whatever Asheville, Andersonville. You know, yeah, those are my my roads. So mm-hmm. that was the whole point of the bike. Is had enough crotch rockets and. Mm-hmm. You know, I just can't ride like that anymore. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I hear I have a I have a Yamaha R six uh when I take up to the Dragon Tail right. So we do that and um my buddy has a, a, a Deuce Harley and we also have a dyno that I, I trade with my neighbor okay. when I wanna ride with the Harley guys. Yeah, you know, yeah, so yeah. I go back and forth on those. You know, right now I'm currently looking at something like your bike and also um the uh, like a street glide or the chieftain, something that area to do those long rides. Mm-hmm. 
but you know, I'll sacrifice the performance side of the bike, you know, right, not right. in that being able to hit the twisties, you know, do the jacket tails, right? Something it's, like that. It's hard to have something that does everything. Yeah, yeah. And your bike kind of fits that whole, kind of tackles all that. Well, that's kind of the goal. It's kind of reached a point in our lives where, I mean, I had tons of, I had this about every cry tracker you can name, and loved all the bikes, but I just, I can't ride them anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I get an hour in, I'm like, man, my neck is yeah, killing me. Your wrist. Yeah, I just, I just can't ride like that anymore. And mm-hmm. I just find it to be very, we, I was riding an RSV4 the other okay. day in Texas, and I got about you know, 30 minutes in. I'm like, this bike's cool, and it sounds great, and it's fast, blah, 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 mm-hmm. but it's very unsatisfying. Because mm-hmm. where are you going to ride it? Right. We're on streets. What, what, what can I do with this? Like mm-hmm. having a Lamborghini in downtown Charlotte. Yeah, can't do it. What's the point? Yeah. It's, it's like, man, I can't get a second gear, so, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Got all these horses with nowhere to go. What are you going to do? Yeah. Right. And it's kind of, um, you know, I, I just... I want to be able to. I want to be able to run at the right point, but I just can't be all twisted up like that anymore. Mm-hmm. And I had tons of Harleys. Loved. I had, had the only Harley I haven't had is an Ultra. I had all the, something from every Harley family. Loved all those bikes, mm-hmm. but I just a lot of my buddies started buying Ducatis and BMWs, and like I'm like, okay, well this sucks now mm-hmm. because like I'll see you there. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I started feeling a little silly. So uh-huh. I like buying American bikes, but. Um, it just really wasn't anything that does what you know without this bike maybe could do. And, uh-huh. So we tried to put it together, and then we said, "Well, we gotta have a motor, All right? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We, could, we could get an SNS or you know mm-hmm. we could get a Rotax or whatever." And I'm like, "We did that. What would be the point? Right? You know what I mean? It's just like everything else. Yeah, we could just you know then we're just a chassis company, right? Um, so there's really no point in doing that. Mm-hmm. So we said, "All right, well, let's build an engine." So uh, we went to Detroit. Signed up some guys up there to you know help us, uh-huh. uh, and uh, brought Pratt Miller on. That was good. Yeah, and um, you know, we just try to build something that we thought would be cool. Right, right, yeah. right. Very cool. Yeah. So as you said, as he indicated with Pratt Miller, uh, Pratt Miller's team was responsible for the steel um, space frame, the transmission, and some of the um, composite bodywork. You know, because Pratt Miller was under one roof, they were able to fabricate everything under one roof. Is what I'm, I guess what I'm trying to get at. And instead of, like I said before, just kind of having to go to different vendors and and so forth. Yeah, Pratt Miller was one one source, a one stop stop for all their sourcing. So it was great that they worked with this team. And with Pratt Miller being in the Corvette racing, it just makes it even better. Yep. Yeah, and it was it was really cool to hear him talk about you know not wanting to be just a chassis builder. I mean. He's 100% right. You could totally go and grab, you know, some kind of crate motor off the shelf, make your own frame. You know, even even if you made all the other components, at the end of the day, are you a manufacturer if you don't bring your own engine to the table? Right, right. And that's just, that's what I love about these guys is they did the entire thing from scratch, you know, said, this is what we want. It's not out there. We want mm-hmm. it and we're going to build it and we hope other people like it as well. And that's that's awesome. All right, exactly. And we, and, and Brian Case um, is, is the VP and uh, the the design director for Motors, and he is constantly re-evolving uh, that bike and trying to make it even better. Um, there's a part in in the interview where we we started looking at some of the 3D um, graphics um, parts that they've they've printed out, and wow, they've they've they're getting down to the nitty gritty of the stand, how how the kickstand mm-hmm. kind of tucks into the bike so it doesn't catch on anything and just making everything as seamless as yep. possible. And it's just great to see that these guys are hard at work just perfecting 
on the art and their bike is just, you know, phenomenal. Yeah, and I guess one other thing that was cool that showed up, I think on the video you did, I don't think it's in the, the interview audio here, but um, Lee was showing you one of the prototype kickstands like you were talking about that was 3D printed. So these guys are even, you know, they have some high-tech stuff there. They can do their own little prototyping. You know, they can print a part. They can check it out on the bike. You know, like you said, make sure it doesn't catch anything, but but it's still ergonomically correct so you can reach down and, you know, quickly deploy the kickstand. So some of that stuff was cool. So, yeah, these guys are they're pretty high-tech as well. Exactly. So, yeah, so they have 3D print this um, their kickstand, this this particular part we're kind of talked to, um, and they and they they have it so you can twist it and, and move it around to to make it fit before it goes to casting. So they don't have to kind of recast everything over and over again until they get it right. So this way they can make that kickstand perfectly in house, then send it out for casting. You know, to make that actual piece that's going to be placed on the bike. It's kind of cool. Yeah, it's good stuff. All right, so now we've heard a lot about the inspiration for the bike. And, and for the engine as well. But you know, your next piece of the conversation moves into maintenance a little bit about you know, how fairly simple it is to maintain, a simple set of tools will do, uh, some capacities, and, and just some other interesting little tips and a little bit about their dealers as well. Right, right. Yeah. So it was good, good to hear because I, you know, I kind of talked about, you know, because, you know, we're interested in, in a lot of Harleys uh, nowadays. And I just wanted to kind of compare the two um, and versus the overall maintenance, the type of tools that you're going to need to kind of wrench on this bike if you ever wanted to, you know, which is mostly just all metric tools. So it was kind of cool that, um, you know, he kind of pointed that out. He pointed out, um, I pointed out also, um, you know, with some of the Harleys, there's some work, and especially on some of the older ones, you have to, the, the primer, you have to take the cover off to change the oil and all that. So all the seals and stuff involved with Harley. I just want to kind of see what's all involved with this particular motor. How easy is it to change the oil and all that? So, and um, we also talked a little bit about where are all the other dealerships. So, um, <laughs> where can anybody go out and see this bike and uh, get themselves on a uh, schedule for a test drive? All right, let's pick up the conversation from there. So, uh, how many dealerships do you have across the country right now? I think there's about nineteen. Nineteen. Yeah, and they go from Seattle to Miami. Okay. So they're all over, but just certain areas where we, you know, right. we don't really usually push that hard on dealers. We mm-hmm. usually generally wait till they inquire with us. Uh-huh. So they say, you know, they're interested. So, yeah, it's a small kind of growing dealer network. Pikes are real easy to work on. Uh-huh. So it's real easy for, for a dealer to get into these because they don't have to do a lot of real expensive training and buy. Uh-huh. You, know, you saw that program. It's all right. through the display. They don't have to go buy a $6,000 computer and mm-hmm. hold you know $5,000 set of tools. Like All you need is metric. If, you, if you've got metric tools, you can take apart the whole bike. It's wow. very simple. Wow. How much oil does it hold? Uh, 3.25. 3.25. Okay. And then that's, that's in the engine, and the gearbox holds a, a quarter and a quarter maybe. If I'm not mistaken. So maybe five altogether. Something like that. Yeah. Just go under the bike and uh, there's a little oil screen. It pops out uh-huh. on the front and rear. Pops out. It's got a little, uh, what they call a uh, dimple. Okay. Which is a crazy uh, powerful magnet. There's a certain name for it. It's a neobdium magnet. Okay. okay. I just think I'm freaking, it's a badass magnet. <laughs> um, and uh, there's one in each. And so if there's any, anything flying around in there, it'll grab, grab it. it. Uh, it's a real high-powered magnet. And you just drop it out, it comes out, mm-hmm. put your mobile one in, and off you go. Nice. Yeah. No, no valve adjustments, you know, it's all hydraulic valve trade, uh-huh. push rods. 
the very little maintenance you got to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you put like a, if you want to put another slip on, you want to re, revamp it, the motor, or remap it. Uh, there wouldn't be a lot of reason to put another. I mean, those are acro. Yeah, that, that's the best in the world. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're putting something else on, or you're putting Yoshimura on. You're, you're backing up. Mm-hmm. Those, those are the best. Okay. Uh, so you've done all the homework as far as putting all the different pipes on to see what the best performance and everything. Akrapovich uh, makes the best exhaust in the world, and mm-hmm. that's why if you go to MotoGP, probably three quarters of the bikes have Akrapovich on them. Okay. And if you go F1 racing, you know they're they're nobody can touch them. Yeah. yeah the quality is stellar. Yeah. Um, but I guess you could do all that kind of stuff, but I yeah, you, you'd be going backwards. Okay. Okay. Um, but we have full control of the ECU. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We can remap it. You know, we designed all the electronics. So if somebody wanted to do something like that, or for example, if you're using another vehicle, you okay. know, we've got some custom builders, you know, building bikes and they have completely different exhaust systems or boost. Uh-huh. Um, then we can remap everything. Yeah. So pretty cool information that uh, he was able to share with us in uh, that, that segment there as far as. The motor, uh, the bits and pieces um, that kind of help this motor long term, you know. So yeah, and it gets back to you know kind of the inspiration, right? Think of a Chevy small block, very low maintenance, very high you know power to weight ratio. It's a very dense powertrain, and it looks like that's paying off in in the design of their engine as well, where the maintenance is is pretty uh pretty hassle free right set of metric wrenches or set of metric tools and you're good to go you're good to go right and the nice part you can buy these motors separate so if you didn't want to buy the bike itself you can actually buy the motor and and do whatever you want you know you can make your own bike you can build a car around it so whatever your inspiration or what's your dreams of building your own right car bike whatever you can do it with this motor and just sound just have um just an awesome sounding motor um and also um they can also spec these motors out to whatever you're liking so they can you know boost it they can just do whatever your your dream so the the motors <laughs> whatever your mind and dr- right. whatever you can dream up i guess is what i'm trying to get across is um, um is the sky's the limit so the motor can range from anywhere from i think uh, six thousand to twenty thousand so depending how crazy you want to get they can do it with this motor which is cool all right i got a crazy idea okay now it may seem a little blasphemous but i'm going with it anyway <laughs> so you know how we talked about doing the gold wing supercharged, yeah. you know, rat rod, still touring chops kind of thing. Right. What if we just yank that Hulk out of there and drop one of these V4s right in there? Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> now you're talking. Right? I mean, yeah. it's, it's a heck of expensive way to do it, but oh, just to have the sound of that. Yeah, we could just get the base motor and, and slap that bad boy in there and just, you know, tweak it from there once we get it built. We might have to look in that because remember that the number we were given on the supercharged uh, GL one thousand was you know expect to spend about eight grand for this to be right, and I think if we saw somewhere on the website somewhere I, f- I forget it was like eight or nine thousand was the like the starting price for a crate crate engine from Modus. I think so. Yeah, we'll we'll have to get those numbers to be a hundred percent. But yeah, it's yep. fairly you know fairly inexpensive in in the motor range, yeah, in aspect I guess. But uh, yeah, we could do a lot, and then just like I said, build on it. We can add a supercharger, which the supercharged <laughs> motors was in the factory, and you know I was just giddy like a little girl when I saw that thing sitting there. All right, so we're gonna let the last part of the interview run here. Um, this is probably I don't know. This is like eight or nine minutes 
for the remaining part, and you guys get into some good stuff on, you know, things like their land speed records, the, the crazy chain that they're using, you know, tires oh, right. and testing. And right, right. Last part of this is pretty good. Yeah. So yeah. So the yeah. So we'll talk. They'll talk about the uh, X the XW ring chain, uh, the the Pirelli tires, and why they went with them. Uh, we'll talk about some of their land uh, speed records and what they plan to do going forward with that. So uh, some interesting, interesting conversation. And uh, yeah, let's get right into it. Uh, let me shut up. <laughs> you said it, not me. Yeah, I hear you. So you looking to do any new land records? Um, we we got another little thing we're going to do this year. We haven't talked about it yet, but we could go back out to Bonneville. We, we ran the records up pretty high. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So... Um, if we would, we'd just be going against our own records. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, we, we actually didn't have any idea what we were doing when we got there. Uh-huh. It was our first time out there. Okay. Um, I should have had to be a blast, though. Oh, it was cool. It was great. Yeah. Um, but now, we, you know, every run we did, we went faster. I rode, I think I rode a 149 and then a 163 and then a 165 and a 169. You know, so we were we were inching them up. It, it takes a minute to figure out, yeah. you know, how to do it. Right. You know, it's very, yeah. uh, the surface is very unusual and... Um, the tuning and everything like that. So I think we could go a lot faster if we went back. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'd have to figure out, you know, for what, you know, we, right. we, we got those records and right. what we hopefully support some other teams riding our bikes, which would be really cool. Right. I would be perfectly happy. Somebody take my record for me. That's all you, man. Uh-huh. As long as you buy my bike. That's right. That's cool. Yeah. It's not an ego thing. <laughs> I don't really care. I'd rather just say, you know, Modus, you know, Jim Bob, you right. know, riding Modus. Right. I, I don't care about my name on it, but, um, We'll probably go back out. We got another another little um, uh, something we're going to do this year that hopefully okay. will be along those lines. Yeah, yeah. So, what uh, kind of uh, setup when you when you were doing your each run? Were you tweaking the bike anyway, as far as handle <coughs> seating position, handlebars, and all that? That's most of it, man. As a lot of it was trying to figure out like where to be on the bike. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd think you'd want to be all up inside the fairing, but it was really the opposite of that. Oh, really? I found my fastest. You start seeing the tack go up. I'm standing on my tippy toes. Really? Full on my tippy toes with my head probably that far above the windscreen uh-huh. and my butt up in the air. Uh-huh. You know, it's not yeah. doing like this. I was going slow, but I, you know, you have to kind of find these little these little magical spots. Mm-hmm. And once you start to see the tack, you know, go up. It's like man, just stay there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you got you get about two miles to get up to speed, and you can probably get up to 100, 150 you know, very very quickly. And then you know, after that, you, you know, the wind. There's a lot of wind, and so mm-hmm. lot of, um, that's where you really start to feel the resistance. Okay. How's the surface? I mean, you know, you think the salt was it bumpy? It changes all day. Every run, the surface was different, huh? Because it's a, it's floating. It's a floating. It's salt. That's uh-huh. there's a lake basically under it. The salt is floating. So different times of the day, the tides come in and out, and so it can be slushy, huh? Um, almost like a, if it's dry, it almost feels like a feels like a dirt road with no rocks. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not. It's loose. Uh-huh. And then it can be slushy. Um, if it's slushy, that means you get more resistance. You know what I mean? Right. You, you can spin, so it's a it's a very unusual surface, yeah. very different than you. And it can change over the length of that. Yeah, you know, because you're running, you know, um, four or five miles, and it can be completely different at the start than you know halfway through, and you're just yeah, yeah, you just you've got to peg the whole way. Yeah. So, um, just a, the surface is weird, uh-huh. and the winds can affect you. And there's a lot. There's there's so much to it. It seems like you're just going straight. There's so, so much, much strategy. Huh. There's, there, we've got a lot of guys out there, like experienced road racers. You know, first time they've been there, and they're like, 
I had no idea how complicated this was. Uh-huh. It's a very complex, very elusive deal. Yeah. You know, it's weird. Huh. But it's fun. Um, I've so, always wanted to go and check that out. That's one of those, one of those things I got in my on my list of things to go and check out. easy to get there. I mean, you fly into Salt Lake City, you can be there in like an hour and a half. It's, mm-hmm. There's nothing to it. Nothing to it. There's a bunch of casinos right there. You stay in the casinos. It's, uh-huh. uh, I wouldn't recommend riding your bike. Yeah, uh, okay. It will, it will destroy your motorcycle. Okay. I mean, we took these bikes back down to bare metal. Okay. Um, and replaced every fastener. It's, uh, it's very... It's the salt just eats... The salt just, it just destroys your machine. Uh, it's, uh, it's bad. Uh, so um, I don't recommend riding your own personal bike out there. Okay. Um, it's just too harsh. I mean, unless you're willing to take it all the way down mm-hmm. and replace everything. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't take my personal bike out there. All right. Yeah. All right. Um, cool. But it's it's totally worth it to go rent a car in Salt Lake City and just drive out there and check it out. Uh-huh. Okay. Or if you had a track bike that you don't care about. Right. That's what you want to do. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, your R6. Don't do it. If that's the bike you want to keep riding, uh-huh. I wouldn't take it. Out. It's, it's <laughs> harsh, man. It's du- a, duly noted. It's incredible what it can do. I mean, my God. Uh-huh. What else on these bikes? Got a real cool chain. We got a um, XW ring. Chain, it's uh, yeah. got a twenty thousand mile warranty on it, wow. which is completely insane for a yeah, chain. Yeah, that is. You won't stretch that chain. Well, uh, so I've, never, I've never figured out how to change it. <laughs> I can't. I can't stretch it. We don't lube them. Nothing. Every once in a while, uh-huh. maybe every couple thousand miles, we'll hit yeah. them with something. But the new uh, chain technology is all different now. Okay. I mean, even in the last two three years, it's all new. You will not stretch that chain. That's, that's we amazing. Have, we have just. Yeah. It it looks like a serious chain. And I was going to ask you, was it something aftermarket, something you did custom for your bikes, or uh, it's an RK chain? Okay. Um, but they um, they run them through. They take your all your power pulses and your sort of you know um, performance profile of the engine, mm-hmm. and they have a dyno there, and they ran that particular chain. Um, what they call a sawtooth, so they run it from max torque to max power. Okay, they run it up and down. Um, and they ran it for 20,000 miles. Holy cow. And it's straight. Now, there was no rocks and dirt and right, water. Right. This is just in a lab. Uh-huh. So it's not exactly a one-to-one. But on the other hand, you could never ride from max torque to max power. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. You generally are riding at like yeah. 10% of power. Mm-hmm. So the, what they put on it was pretty heavy. And in that 20,000 miles, Rico, they stretched it the length of the rivet. Oh. Not, the, not the length of the, the yeah. link. <laughs> the the length of the rivet in 20,000 miles. Huh. It's, uh, it's all new technology that they've got, um, and uh, it's just a clear advantage. I mean, my God, you know, yeah. we're going to get a twenty thousand mile chain. Yeah. Right. Um, so it's that's that's pretty pretty cool. Yeah. Badass bike. Well, thank you. Badass bikes. Well, uh, your your tires, you know, what maker tire fits your bike? Pirelli. Pirelli. Yeah. Right. We tested everybody's. We tested. Michelin's, we were with Michelin for a couple of years. Um, we tested the Dunlops, the Bridgestones, um, but the Pirellis are so much better, oh, yeah. and they're so much lighter. Okay. That's what a lot of guys don't think about. Uh-huh. I never really spent a lot of time thinking about it either. Yeah. I said, oh, yeah, I like you know, Michelin. Because they're sticky. Dunlop, or whatever, yeah. Don't worry about any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, weight. You know what I mean? That that Pirelli tire, I can't remember what the difference was. Cause we were, the, I think the, the heaviest by far were the Bridgestones. They were like freaking rocks. The Dunlops were pretty heavy. The Michelins were okay, but the Pirellis were, you know, 30, 40% lighter. Mm-hmm. Um, it just makes a big, big difference. You know, okay. people, oh, they go buy some carbon rims and then they put Bridgestones on it or something. It's like, brother, you, <laughs> yeah. you yeah. know, you yeah. got to look at the whole, and that's, you know, that weight is flying on the outside, outside of the rim. Yeah. Right. So tire, people don't think about tire weight and it's really as important and it mm-hmm. makes a big, huge difference. Yeah. But we're getting, um, 
I don't want to say we're getting we ride pretty pretty hard. Um, six seven thousand miles out of our rear. Wow, it's not bad. That's not bad. On a bike, it's got yeah. twenty foot pounds. Yeah. So you constantly. Yeah. <laughs> those are the uh, Angel GTs. That's, okay. That's, that's a good tire. Okay, I have to look those up. Yeah. Yeah. We've yeah. been pretty happy with them. But anything will fit on there. I mean, that's that's the Pilot Two. Mm-hmm. That's that's the Pilot Three, I think, on that prototype, and that's the Angel GT on that one. And to know that you guys did it from the ground up, you know, clean sheet, clean clean, it's just amazing. I wish you all the success. Thanks, man. This is I appreciate an it. awesome accomplishment. Thanks a lot. Really good job, Rico. Man, yeah, I was I was just like a kid in a candy store. I I could sit there and talk with Lee. He was so cool. Uh, and just so um, open um, to dis- to discuss his bikes and what they're looking to do, and just all in all, just a great guy to just kind of sit and chit chat about about their bikes and what their what, what their future plans are. It was great. Uh, with the the other thing too, it's just you know just on the Bonneville Salt Lake, I had no idea. Did you? As far as no. the surface and all that? No, I mean I knew the surface changed. You know, over you know throughout the day and through runs because of the distance, but yeah, I had no idea that it was like floating. I thought it was like a, I thought it was more like a dry lake bed than anything. But yeah, yeah that's interesting. Yeah, so yeah, uh, definitely gotta go check that out and see that up close and in person. Uh, but like you said, we're not taking our own bikes out there. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, good job, man. Thanks for going down there and 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 checking this out. I I know you were there for other business as well but you know that's that's cool that means a lot from to me as well that you know you go out and help get content and stuff like that so i appreciate it oh uh, ain't no problem yeah that's what we're here to do right uh, to to like we said so in so many other episodes wish you could do it more together but uh, as long as one of us are out there test riding and talking to these guys out here it's just more more yeah and like we talked in the last episode with with alex from eat sleep ride the yeah, th- this was one of my motivations for doing the podcast anyway, was to, f- you know, find the people that are really passionate about the same kind of things we are. And, you know, let's talk to them. Let's put it out there. And I'm sure, you know, people will find it enter- entertaining at least. <laughs> oh, exactly. oh, sure. Yeah, that interview with Alex was great, too. So, uh, you know, the knowledge that uh, that was gained from the, the, the app, you know, Modus, uh, it, it was you know, it makes it worth it. You know, it, it puts a different perspective. You may have seen the app out there, but really right. didn't know the history or the background of it. But now that you know and, and, and know what's going on around the app, why it was built and such, it makes you want it more. It, it, you know, I know that how it, how that affects you, but that's how I felt. It's like, wow, I want to sure. use this app more just because of, you know, just what what Alex was talking about. And it makes me want to ride this Motors now, you know, even even, even more to go, to go back to Motors. Uh, it makes me want to just ride this bike, experience it, and, and really understand what Lee and, and Brian has put into this um, overall. Just to just to feel what they felt when they were designing this bike, and I think uh, I think that's something I want to experience. So we'll we'll definitely have to pencil pencil some time in to ride out to uh, Georgia to uh, do a test run. Agree. Yeah, get that on the calendar. Get working on that, Rico. I will. I would flip it over to John, but he's not here, so I, I can't make him the taskmaster tonight. <laughs> yeah, we want those pop-ups, damn it. Yeah. Oh, very good. So any other little nuggets that you might have extracted there that you want to share or anything else we didn't cover that you think is worth mentioning here? 
Oh yeah. So yeah, the there in October there's that vintage uh motorcycle ride um towards the end of this interview, so we can play a little bit of that and uh, see if uh, anyone else would like to partake in that. Cuz we'll be there. At least I will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not really part of the the formal interview, but but sort of the I guess the after after show if you will, after you know, you guys sort of yeah. wrapped up your your conversation there in the office and then you know, it was cool to hear him talk about the I don't know what they call it, but it's kind of like vintage racing and just big motorcycle gathering down at the Barber uh, Barber Motorsports Park and the museum yeah, exactly. there too as well, right? Exactly, yeah. So they're doing like, I guess, uh, 1916 racing down there around that time. There's all racing, but yeah. I guess uh, that is the, the forefront uh, just to see these old school bikes running against each other. And I guess there'll be Jap bikes, all just all types of bikers out there. So it's a, a family event type of atmosphere so uh feel free to bring the kitties along so there's lots and things to see and do while you're there um so yeah i'm excited to check that out since um you know this is my first hearing about it um uh, from yeah. lee so I, I definitely has to check it out for sure and represent loud pops while we're there a lot of pipes <laughs> <laughs> easy for you to say yeah i know right yeah the first i heard about it was um, when I was researching the the Goldwing, the supercharged Goldwing, and I noticed that uh, Randall was down there in the in the in the fall, so I you know I saw some stuff on his website, pictures of bikes and some of the racing and stuff, and that was kind of my first taste of it. And you know the bar, the Barber okay. Motorsports Park and the museum, I was first introduced to. I think it was maybe two years ago when I, you know, I had a job in Birmingham. Or not, it's not a job. Sorry, it was a client for my for my day job, and I couldn't get there because every, every day I tried to to leave you know leave work and go there. I think they closed uh-huh. at like five or something every day, so I just it just wasn't uh-huh. in the cards to make it. And mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately, that was a time in my career when I was really traveling. So it was like you know wrap up that visit, get back home, get to the next one. So I just just didn't work out to stop by. But I'm uh-huh. I'm clearing the deck for October. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Going. And then, as uh, as Lee was saying, they do a big party there as well one night. So it'd be cool to check them out, do their little open house thing as well. Yeah, so yeah, we Loud Pipes will definitely be representing and representing Motors for show. And um, hopefully our listeners can, if they don't get a chance to go, they can hear about it at least, you know. Oh, yeah, I'm sure we're going to get some content from that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> So we will be busy for sure that, that we can. Awesome. All right. Yeah. So just, you know, I'd like to extend my personal thanks again to, you know, to Lee for welcoming you into to Modus, giving you the tour and the conversation. I, like I said, the passion comes through. I'm excited about it. I was, I was sold on Modus before and all this, this background information and stuff like this just makes it that much sweeter. You know, if, yep. if we end up with one of these someday, which would be really nice would be it will be maybe we can set up uh you know what i would like to do is build a bike at least wrench on it for a little bit i don't know how much we can do but that'd be pretty cool don't there you, you think? go yeah kind of like what what gm does if you buy um uh, uh like a like a z06 or something you can go through the one of the tours and build your own motor <laughs> it's yeah. like a i don't know it's an expensive add-on but but you can actually turn the wrenches and put your own motor together yeah that'd be cool yeah that would be cool, and have like a 
uh, a loud pipes motors motorcycle. There we go. What do you think? Yeah. Showcase. We'll get it. Danny to wrap it. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Chew that. Okay, just our usual reminders here at the end of the show. Um, ratings and reviews on iTunes are always appreciated. And I would ask if you feel the show is less than five stars or you have other questions or comments, please drop me an email at feedback at rdubstudios.com. You can follow us over on Twitter at rdubstudios or visit the Facebook page, facebook.com slash rdubstudios. We'll also have show notes, uh, pictures from the Modus Factory Tour, and audio from this episode can be found at our website. And the short URL for this is loudpipes.net slash 20. So be sure to check that out and, and tell your friends, of course. Of course. Awesome. Thanks again, Rico. I appreciate the conversation as always. And I'll uh, kick up the kickstand and ride out. Have a good couple of weeks, everyone. Take care. All right. Have a good night, everyone. And I can't even do Shumpila because the tablet died. This has been an RDub Studio production. Check us out at rdubstudios.com, iTunes, or Stitcher Radio.